Welcome back to the Sports Gazette's FIFA World Cup podcast. We are recording this just after Wednesday night's scintillating match between Belgium and Canada. I'll be joined tonight by Tom Desborough and Lyle Anthony Golding from the Sports Gazette. It's been a very messy start for Argentina and Germany, while France and Spain are dancing with convincing victories in their opening matches. A pair of teams have fought back on FIFA's abhorrent moral standards, and we preview match day two in Group B, which includes a throwback to 1776. Let's dive right in. How's it going, everybody? Uh, Jackson Fuller here with the Sports Gazette for our fourth episode of the FIFA World Cup podcast. And uh, today I'm joined by Tom Desborough and Lyle Anthony Golding, fellow uh, sports reporters for the Sports Gazette here in London. Uh, boys, how you doing today, Tom? How's it going? Yeah, good thing, you mate. And uh, and Lyle, how are you? Uh, a long train ride home tonight, but you doing all right? Yeah, it was quite rough, but we're doing all right now, man. All right, awesome. Good stuff. Well, we just finished watching Belgium-Canada wrap up day four. Like I said, Tom, you are covering Belgium primarily for us here at the Sports Gazette. Uh, what were your impressions of the match? Are we surprised with kind of just how much Belgium has fallen off since their last appearance at a World Cup when they, they finished third and were flying high with De Bruyne, Hazard, and Lukaku? Yeah, but as one nils go, it was relatively exciting game, but not really much thanks to the Belgians for that. Uh, Canada were the ones sort of providing with most of the entertainment. Uh, they're very high energy, high pressing, which sort of caused the Belgians a lot of problems, specifically in the first half when they were able to create a lot of chances, but sadly were unable to convert them. Whereas for Belgium, it wasn't really much of a surprise on my part when I've been preview previewing the side. It seems Martinez is very keen to stick with his more senior players, players such as Alderweireld and Vertonghen, who are now playing their club football back in Belgium and not really successfully. And then you have players like Axel Witzel in the middle who seem very lethargic this evening and unable to sort of deal with the high-intensity press that uh, Canada were deploying. But... Yeah, they were very lucky to come away with a victory in the end. Uh, Canada just let down by their poor finishing in the final third. Yeah, I think Belgium were, were better in the second half, but still Canada overall. And it's a disappointing result for Canada, too, to, to lose, to not get any points. And it's not like Morocco and Croatia are going to be easy opposition either. Uh, all right, since we last uh, recorded here uh, with the Sports Gazette's FIFA World Cup podcast, there's been eight games and we've had two huge upsets Argentina fell to Saudi Arabia and Germany fell to Japan, both 2-1 final results. Lyle, who are we more concerned about right now, Germany or Argentina, as we head into a match day two rolling around the corner for the for the group stage? Uh, I think it's a very interesting question, Jackson, because well, both games were obviously massive shocks. I think Germany in their game today performed a lot better than our, than we saw from Argentina yesterday. But I think I'm still more concerned with Germany because they've got Spain to play. Argentina in their group with Mexico and Poland. It was a mixed showing from the other two sides in Argentina's group. So I think they still have a chance to, you know, wake up, turn things around and get two more wins. Whereas for Germany, they did play well at times. But Japan going forward in that second half were just flying at them. And they still have Spain to play, which is going to be a massive, massive test. We saw how Spain played today and... For that reason, I think the strength of the group, I'm going to say I'm more concerned about Germany. I think they have a there's a very real chance that they go out at the group stages again. Yeah, and I think another factor is, 
I think, you know, you can't take anything away from what Saudi Arabia accomplished, but on paper, they're a worse squad than Japan. And uh, they handed Argentina a loss, whereas, uh, you know, Japan doing the same, maybe not as big of a shock just from the Japanese side of things. But I think I tend to agree with you. I'm a little bit more concerned about Germany. Tom, you are you also in agreement with us or do you have a have a hipster take right here? <laughs> yeah, no, I think I'm fitting more into your consensus. Uh, I think the games that Germany have left to play um, definitely make it more worrying for them. Whereas obviously the team Argentina lost to are a lot worse, obviously Saudi Arabia compared to um, Japan. But yeah, as you said, having um, both Mexico and Poland left to play, they are both very winnable games. So Maybe if they're able to find the form that they had last year in the Copa America, then they'll be much more capable of getting those results. Whereas obviously for Germany, and we saw how well Spain played tonight against Costa Rica, they're going to find it a lot tougher to get out of the group now after today's result. Yeah, huge test for both those squads in the next game. Uh, Argentina faced Mexico Saturday night and uh, Germany face Spain Saturday night. So uh, we will probably know after Saturday night where both of those teams stand if qualification for the round of 16 is, is still within their grasps. Uh, on the complete flip side, uh, two of the favorites really put forth impressive performances in their opening matches. France with a 4-1 win over Argentina and Spain, maybe the most dominant World Cup performance of all time, 7-0. Uh, Costa Rica's XG was 0.00 with zero shots. Uh, really future performance from the Costa Ricans. But who are we most impressed with from that side between France and Spain? Tom, uh, what, what do you think? Uh, I think for me, it's it's hard to judge both of them off of the teams they were facing. Both Australia and Costa Rica came to the got to the group stages through a very easy qualification obviously playoff that they had to play Costa Rica only had to get past New Zealand and they barely managed that with a 1-0 win and Australia are nowhere near the side that they were back in sort of 2006 or 2010 don't have the big names to sort of carry them but for Spain and France I think I'm more impressed with Spain especially their youngsters both Gavi and Pedri looked unbelievable tonight um, they both performed at an amazing level and obviously helped contribute to the massive amount of goals that they put in and I think from France's point of view, I think they'll be pleased that they're not they're not showing any signs that they're missing Benzema up top. The midfield might be slightly concerning. Obviously, they're being broken down and conceding a goal that early might be a slight concern. And obviously, now with Lucas Hernandez out of the tournament, might be an issue for them. I mean, Teo did fill in quite nicely when he came off the bench. But yeah, I think Spain do look very impressive. And I'm intrigued to see how they get on against Germany at the weekend. Yeah, pretty nice when you can when one Hernandez brother goes down and you could bring another one in and they're both uh, extremely high quality players. Uh, Lyle, we watched both of these games together and uh, you saw me fawning over Kylian Mbappe throughout the 90 minutes of France and Australia. Uh, <laughs> I think for me, France were a little bit more impressive just because of well, they had to come from behind. They felt some adversity early on in that match. They had a serious injury to one of their key players. And still were able to come away with a convincing win. I think Mbappe is, you know, I think he fits better with Giroud than Benzema. Um, and it's obviously heartbreaking that we're not going to be able to get, watch Benzema in this World Cup. But I do think that it's almost a better fit for the French side. Uh, Lyle, France or Spain, who, who impressed you more over the past two days? I mean, when a team comes off what you admit admitted was the mo probably one of the most dominant performances in a World Cup ever we've you know we've ever seen it's hard to go against them but i 
tend to agree with you in the fact that France did have to face adversity at first. Um, Australia, for the first 10 to 15 minutes, were very, very good. They threatened and they deservedly got their goal. And France, with the injury, like you said, to, to Lucas Hernandez, they had some adversity to face and the heart of the champion came through and they did really well to come back. But with all that being said, I'm probably still going to have to go with Spain. I mean, look, we talked about the midfield pre-game and we said that, look, Gavi and Pedri, on this stage, this is their time to shine. And they came and they played so, so well. I'm trying my best not to read too much into it because it is Costa Rica, but they allowed, I believe they allowed no shots on target. They had like, um, I think it was 18 shots on goal. It's it's one of the most dominating performances, one of the best performances I've ever seen in the World Cup. So I'll have to go with Spain. Yeah, I think on the first podcast, I said it would be a fireable offense if Luis Enrique played Busquets over Rodri. And we don't have to fire him because he played both. Tonight. <laughs> he way to, to get them both in there. So, um, okay, so that was those were kind of the exciting matches of the past couple of days. And we did have three nil-nil draws. You know, just kind of wondering real quick, what do you guys think are behind that? Is it less time to prepare? Is it just the natural, you know, toughness of international football where these guys aren't together for eight months at a time? You know, what are some of our thoughts about why we've had kind of three nil-nil draws when we only had one uh, back in 2018? Um, I think it's probably more to do with the fact that when you have this many games of football, it is more likely than not you'll, you'll get a few nil-nils. Uh, it was just bad luck that they've maybe come a lot earlier in this tournament than we'd like. Uh, the teams that have fallen to those nil-nil draws are very defensive sides and are probably a bit lacking in their forward forward play. So maybe when they come up against lesser oppositions, we might see them get a couple of goals here or there, or maybe yeah, even produce more than we've seen from some of the bigger sides. But it is definitely a question if this sort of theme continues where we might see a few more nil-nils especially when we get nearer to the end of the group stage where obviously teams might have a little less to play for. It might be more common, but yeah, I'd be interested to see if this continues to be a theme or if it is just more the sort of teams that have been drawn against each other and their style of play. I hope it's not a theme. Lyle, uh, any, any, any different thoughts than Tom right there? I tend to agree with you, Tom. I do think I have a stat here uh, that I, I came up with on my own. There were seven one nil games in the 2018 group stage where the only goals were either a set piece or a penalty. So that's not exactly the most thrilling football either. Uh, but, you know, with that said, Lyle, have, do you have any, any hot takes about why we're getting three nil nil draws in, in such a short amount of time to start this tournament? I'm going to be honest, lads. It's, it's quite boring for us. It's more consensus from the three of us. Cause I, I have to agree. Like you're coming to obviously the biggest tournament in our sport in football and people, I think, are under so, the players, particularly, are under so much pressure. No one wants to make a mistake. And the stat you just gave about the fact that there were seven one-nil games, and all of them were either via set piece or a penalty. We we almost came close to that in the Mexico Poland game, which you'd say Mexico maybe were the better side, but Poland had that penalty. Lewandowski had his chance, and he missed. So we were close to having only two nil-nils. But I have to agree. I mean, less time to prepare could be a factor. You know, we've had. The, the immense fixture congestion since the start of the season in August coming all the way to the World Cup. So I think for now, it might be too soon to say if it's, you know, it's going to be like a continuing thing, but we can definitely keep an eye on it in terms of if we do continue getting games like this where it's dull stalemates. But for me, I, I tend to agree with you guys. Yeah, something to keep an eye on for sure. 
Uh, would it be a day at this uh, 2022 World Cup in Qatar without, you know, some controversy off the pitch? Uh, but we also had that off the pitch controversy roll over to on the pitch uh, today with the German players covering their mouths during a team photo. Uh, the German Football Federation said denying us the armband is the same as denying us a voice. We stand by our position. Obviously, that's referring to the one love armband. And Denmark, uh, this was a planned protest, so we knew it was coming, but they got to debut their kits today, which are a protest kit where the Hummel logo and the Denmark badge are the same color as their kit. It's very difficult to see those without close inspection. Uh, Hummel, the Hummel brand and the Danish association don't want to be associated with the World Cup in Qatar. Uh, it's, it, I think this is the first you know, couple times we've gotten some real on-field pushback do you guys expect more to come is this something maybe other teams can kind of copy with what germany did today uh i think it's it's maybe hard to make a prediction on that but i think it's for my end it's something i hope we see more of yeah i, I really agree with you jackson oh sorry tom no, uh, no, go, go. i'll just go ahead i really i really agree with you jackson because the when we first heard the news breaking about the fact that you know the FIFA were banning the armbands and they would have retrospective action if teams did wear the armbands with the yellow card being introduced. We, the first reaction from everyone was shock and anger. Um, and then, you know, we had that discussion about, you know, whether teams should just take the yellow card. And Germany have gone about it in a really good way, in my opinion. Um, even with the fact that they still, you know, didn't wear the armband, they took a strong stance. They um, had their protests. And obviously we know these... I don't want to. I don't want to sound too hard on them, but these are still just you know acts that don't really have much greater um, push behind them. But really and truly, it's all that the players can do. And I'm an advocate for not putting too much pressure on the players. But definitely, what Germany did today is something that I hope we see. Not exactly the same thing, obviously, but things like that. I hope to see more of in this World Cup from other teams. Yeah. Great stuff. All right, well, guys, we're going to take a quick break real quick. And when we come back, we will be previewing match day two in group B. And uh, we're going to get a little nervous Jackson Fuller here talking about USA England coming up. We'll be right back. All right, we're back. And it's time to talk group B. Uh, Friday morning, 10 a.m. is Iran versus Wales. And then the nightcap, 7 p.m., England, USA. Uh, some scary rumors came, not necessarily rumors, confirmed that Harry Kane had to get a scan on his ankle by uh, the international press uh, earlier this week. And it's been since announced that it's probably he's good to go and uh, most likely going to start for England against the USA. Big uh, relief there for the fans of the Three Lions. I think that leaves the biggest question for me, Tom, the uh, lone English fan on our podcast tonight. <laughs> Will England stay with a back four? Obviously, Southgate has played the back three throughout much of his time as the England manager, but they opened with a back four against Iran and scored six goals, looking really uh, fluid in attack as well. What are your thoughts? you think he is brave enough to stay with the back four, or does he go with the tried-and-true back three against the United States Friday night? Yeah, I think this will be the, the sort of question for all English fans between now and when the lineups announced before Friday's kickoff. Um, for me, personally, I'd like for him to stay with that back four because it worked so well. Obviously, I know we're only playing Iran, who didn't have the best of times on Monday afternoon, but 
yeah, if we're able to, there's no reason to sort of deviate from a lineup that played so well. If it's not, if it's not broke, don't fix it. I believe is the, the famous saying. So it would be nice if he's able to stay with that team, but obviously he does like to play a back five and I wouldn't have too many issues if Carl Walker is fully fit and ready to go. If he's dropped in in the back five or if Ben White's thrown in there as another option, then I don't think that would be the worst thing in the world. I think the other issue would be whether Calvin Phillips would be ready to jump into that midfield if he wants to go as fully defensive as he likes to do when he plays that back five. But then I don't think you can drop either Jude Bellingham or Declan Rice as they both were probably the best, two of the best players on the pitch for us on Monday. So, yeah, I'd like for us to play with that back four. And I think it might be slightly more likely that he will rather than revert to back five. It's interesting because as, a, as an American fan, I almost am hoping he plays a back four too, despite what we saw on Monday, just because I think the U S can expect to have to sit back and defend and England are going to control possession. And when there's one less defender, it might be a little bit easier to break on the counter. Um, and if he it does revert to the back five, I agree with you. I think Kyle Walker will come in at right center back trippier at right wing back. And that's a lot of speed and uh, two pretty good defenders on the right side that are going to, you know, be going up against Christian Pulisic and whoever the striker is. So, uh, Lyle, you are. Let's pretend you're unbiased here. What do you think is the? <laughs> what do you think is the key matchup uh, going into Friday night between U.S. and England? What will you be watching? Well, I will certainly be watching your boy, Christian Pulisic. I think if if USA are to come away with anything from this game, which they have to, in my opinion. It's going to be on Pulisic and it's going to be on Weah because I think Weah was was very bright in their first game. So it's going to be Pulisic and it's going to be Weah and you have to assume that he's going to... Southeast is going to stick with Harry Maguire and he's going to stick with um, John Stones because even though they conceded two goals, um, I think they were very solid throughout the game, although we know it, it was just Iran. Um, so I'm going to be looking out for um, Pulisic and Weah because I, I'll be honest, I expect... England to win. I'm sorry to say, Jackson. I think England really and truly they should have enough quality to get past this USA team, especially if Southgate sticks to the back four, which he should. I, I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll do the hot take. If he goes back to a back five, that's a fire offense, Jackson. That is because there's no way that after that performance, putting six goals past the run, you should, you should change back to what you've been doing before because. I think, for me, that shows a bit of, I don't want to say weakness, or I, I'm trying to find the right word, but and it's not cowardice either, but it shows something of that nature. It's halting momentum, you know, there, there's momentum right now behind England, where they were playing so poor in the build-up to this World Cup, that there were calls from English fans that Southgate should be sacked, despite making a World Cup semi-final and a Euro final, and it took... Yeah. To, to score six against Iran, have the good vibes flowing, as our uh, Rugby World Cup podcasters would like to say, that um, it would be really difficult to stomach, I think, if I was an English fan, to have that momentum kind of squished by playing a more defensive lineup. Uh, for me, I'm, I'm looking at the midfield. Can US the U.S. midfield stay competitive in the first half against Wales? Adams, Musa, and McKenney just ran all over the Welsh side and dominated the game. The USA should have scored more than one goal in that first half, weren't un were unable to. Uh, they brought on Kiefer Moore, and that kind of neutralized the U.S.'s advantage in midfield because it was a lot more direct play. If way, if uh, excuse me, if Musa, McKenney, and Adams can play like they did against Wales, I think the U.S. has a shot to keep it competitive. 
Uh, we'll get to our predictions later on uh, in a couple minutes, but I am slightly pessimistic. Let's move on to the earlier game of this coming Friday, Iran against Wales. And my first question, are we sure Iran are as bad as they were against England? Because I'm not. I, I have some hope for Iran coming into this Wales game, and maybe that's just my bias, knowing I might need a result from them for USA to advance. Lyle, are, are you confident Iran can flip the switch, or are you pretty sure what we saw Friday might be what we get from Iran over the course of this tournament? Well, Jackson, I'll be honest, I'm still a bit salty because <laughs> if, if the viewers tuned in to our, to our World Cup roundup on YouTube, if you haven't subscribed, of course, subscribe to the Sports Gazette YouTube. I did predict um, Iran to upset England and win 2-1, and they didn't. And I am pretty sure, Jackson, I'll be honest, I'm sure that they are as bad as we saw because it was really and truly all England from the get-go. Um, so I, I really have zero hope. Honestly, I think it's looking bad for you because I expect I expect Wales to come out on top. In this. I know we're not doing predictions yet, my bad, but, you know. I expect I think Iran are as bad as they showed. Tom, you you know you obviously watched the game with a with an English mindset against Iran. Uh, you know what did you see from that side? Did, do you think that um, there's hope for them to turn it around and get back to that very rigid defensive system, um, or was it just a matter of that they were they were just poor and they're going to be poor? Uh, I do think there's probably a small element of the sort of obviously their political um, protest may have played on their minds a little bit. I think during the national anthem, they looked very sort of emotional about what they were doing, what what the, what what they were doing stood for. So I think maybe that might have played into how they played. But I t don't think it's it's been a long enough time since that game for them to completely revert to where they were, get that mindset right again. I know apart from maybe Mediterranean, all most of the players did look slightly off, slightly slow. England were able to have time, space, knock the ball around, create what they wanted to create. Uh, but they did have obviously their moments where they scored with every shot on target they had. So that might be something they can draw upon to go into the Welsh game. But I think Wales will be buoyed as well because they know this game is a must win for them. It means they can go into their game against England in a position where both teams might only have to draw to get the results. So the cards are definitely in Wales's hands there if they can get the results. So they're going to be up for it. And Iran, though, if they lose this game, they're out as well. So I think both teams will be might be able to give a little bit more than what we saw on Monday. Yeah, I think may maybe my optimism for Iran comes down to a pessimism about Wales, just the their lack of a threat from open play against the United States. They did get a lot better when they brought Kiefer Moore on, but it still was very direct. And even when Kiefer Moore was able to settle the ball and bring the wingers and midfield into play, I just, it was, there still weren't very many threatening moments aside from set pieces and then the throw in that eventually led to the penalty. So I think if, if Iran are going to, you know, pose a threat to Wales, it's because Wales aren't the technically gifted and, you know, fluid side that, that maybe England were on Monday. And, you know, at the same time, Iran, Iran don't really need to win this game. To they, The win would be great for them. But a point gives them the chance to hope for England to beat Wales and then Iran to beat the United States on the last day. So I can see Iran playing a very defensive style uh, against Wales and hoping to just come out with a tie. Let's get to predictions for these two matches real quickly. Uh, Tom, start us off. Wales, Iran, and U.S., England. Give me a, give me a score. Uh, for Wales-Iran, I'm going to go 1-0 Wales. I think they'll get there. They'll nick it 
at some point and then just hold on for the win. And then for England, US, I'm going to go for a slightly optimistic 2-0 win for England. Okay, Lyle? I am going to go 2-0 Wales. And then I think the USA initially will pose some problems for England, but I think that quality up front for England is just going to be too much. I'm sorry, Jackson. I think it's going to be 3-1 to England. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think anybody with with a unbiased mind after what we watched Monday can predict USA to beat England uh, on Friday night. I'm going to go 1-0 England. I think that the U.S. defense, I was really impressed with the U.S. defense, and it starts with that midfield, but Ream and Zimmerman were so good until Zimmerman's, you know, terrible tackle in the box that gave Bale, gave Gareth Bale the tying penalty. So I'm going to say 1-0 England, and I think it's going to, I think we're going to get our fourth, maybe fifth, sixth, nil-nil of the tournament when Wales and Iran play each other. I just, I think those two teams are both going to, it's as much as Wales needs to win, they absolutely cannot lose either. Um, I think it's going to be a defensive struggle. So before Group B on Friday, we've got a really exciting Thursday coming up. Switzerland play Cameroon and Brazil face Serbia in Group G, while Portugal, Ghana, and Uruguay, South Korea highlight Group H's action on Friday, or Thursday, excuse me. And of course, Group A resumes Friday with Netherlands and Ecuador battling for top spot, while Senegal and Qatar try to keep their round of 16 hopes alive. So please check back Friday night where we'll have a recap from Group B and some notes on all of those matches I just mentioned, you'll get either a very happy or a very sad Jackson Friday night. Tom, Lyle, thank you guys so much for joining me tonight. Uh, please, everyone, keep uh, following the Sports Gazette on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and our website. We'll have World Cup coverage throughout the tournament. Uh, thank you, boys, so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. Thanks for having us, Jax. All right, guys. Talk to you soon. Everybody, have a great night and keep enjoying this World Cup. Thank you.